From the Bent Pixel Studios in Las Vegas, Nevada, this is Phone Booth Fighting, a free podcast covering the world of mixed martial arts and beyond with uh, that guy, Frank Mir, the two-time UFC heavyweight champion, current Bellator heavyweight, and this guy, Reno's funniest man, two times over, blue belt in jiu-jitsu, under who? I forgot who gave you a blue belt. Uh, Charles Gracie. Charles Gracie, blue belt. And uh, retired mixed martial artist. Yeah, yeah, Owen too. I was just asked today about a potential comeback fight. You'll deal with this a lot too, Frank. After you retire, yeah. you know the media just doesn't let up. They're always going to be asking you about comebacks. Hey, I'm one of the ones that say if we want to do it a third time, but yeah, you know, like you know, like uh, you have imposed- a Carter guy. We just got to make sure they're at least 45. Yes, you have imposed. I'd like an to see you versus. Uh, I'd like to see you versus somebody in their late 40s and not somebody in their late 20s. Yeah, they'd still <laughs> if they were in their late 40s, they'd still have an age advantage. I'm going to turn 50 this year. Yeah, can you believe it? Doesn't that no, man, when you, you think 50? I don't mean. I mean, I'm. I'm not. Thank you. I'm not. I didn't mean to be fishing for the compliment. But what I meant is when I said, "Can you believe it?" Like you at 40. I know when I thought of 50 at 40. I may as well have been thinking of 70. Like that. Um, at 35, yeah. I thought that way. Okay. I remember, I think I was, what, 36? And Maurice Smith came to the mm-hmm. gym and was training with us. And mm-hmm. we were sparring, moving around. And I was just shocked that a 50-year-old man was mm-hmm. still training with us, you know, mm-hmm. moving around. And now, now, though, at 40, especially after all the stuff I keep doing to my body, I'm like, oh, I can see myself still fighting at fifty. Like mm-hmm. if if like if I can keep turning back the clock like I have been for these last six months, um, shit, it, it could be possible. But you're right. That seeming like oh, you're like, do you still have sex when you're in your fifties? Yeah. Like you know what I mean? Like yeah. that's how I was thinking in my <laughs> mid thirties. You know what I mean? Like I was like, you might as well have been ninety and put out the pasture. You know? Yeah. You're like I remember back when. You know? Yeah. But now I'm like, I mean, well, especially now. I mean, I train on the weekends with Nick Best. Mm-hmm. And I get to watch him throw weights around and, and, and do shit. And I'm just like, Jesus, man. And Nick's older than you. He's yeah. 51. Yeah. You know, I just spotted him for a squad of 810. Mm. You know, like, yeah. And, and we do the cardio exercises together, seeing somebody who, you know, you know, he's doing, you know, I'm picking up a bag and running with it and having a heart attack. He's, you know, I do the 150. He does a 300 pound bag. Yeah. So, I mean, like, physically, just it's different. Than, but, I mean, guys, just people, I think, just age so much better now. I mean, you yeah. yourself, right? If, you, if you're conscientious of what you put in your mouth and you try to stay somewhat active, I, it's not like it was back in the day. Like, even look at Jennifer, my own wife. She is a grandma, she's a gilf, right? Like, mm-hmm. She is 45 years old, and if you would have told me back when I was 15, oh, well, you know, you're going to be, you know, one day you're going to be physically attracted to a 45 year old grandma, I'd be picturing the short, curly hair, the flowery dress, you know what I mean? Like, you know, nowhere stretching my imagination. I mean, uh, well, I told you, in fact, it was funny, it was probably three or four years ago when Jen was like, you know, turning 40. Oh my God. I pulled up this thing where it was a contest of women they had here in Vegas. It was like Miss 50 and over. And Uh like, I was like, these women are all 50 plus. And like looking at them, you're like, holy shit. Like, Mm -hmm. that's not what, I mean, so. I think that like the clock is different now than yeah. it's been in no, the past. It's, that's probably you know, when they true. make those jokes like you know, you know, 40s the new 30 or yeah. however it goes like 
it really is. I mean, people now, like, you know, you go to your doctor, you, you know, you can, you know, really check your body and, and make sure that you're healthy. And, mm -hmm. and look, gyms, memberships aren't, you know, exorbitantly priced. And, you know, there's so much knowledge with the internet. Like, really, honestly, if you look like a piece of shit, you pretty much only got yourself to blame. Well, one way you can turn back that clock is by going to Let's Get Checked. And uh, as it turns out, this episode is brought to you by Let's Get Checked, the leading provider of at-home health tests. Are you looking to improve your male hormone health with Let's Get Checked? You can do a simple at-home health test that will give you a complete picture of your hormonal health in five days. So, uh, Frank, when folks go to letsgetcheck.com, that's the first step. But uh, what's the second step and the other steps thereafter? How does it all work? Well, by going on there and getting a package sent to you, you're able to follow directions and you do your blood work and then you send it back in. And then on real time, you can actually see it, your results, and they'll graph it. So if you do multiple tests, you can see where you're at, how you're doing. It'll be explained to you via the internet. You'll be able to go online and, and look... If you are on a TRT program, this might not be for you. You can go to your doctor. He's blood checking you. You're doing this. But if you're somebody like myself, right, or you who are really mm -hmm. not for that, I want to make sure because I can't take external exogenous testosterone, obviously, as a professional fighter. Uh, are my eating habits really helping out? What are they working? Am I sleeping enough? Am I training enough? And otherwise, you're just, oh, I feel good, but... Look, a lot of people, especially Americans, we live, I mean, I travel the world, and one thing about Americans is we are the hardest working people, you know, to the point to where, I mean, like other places, I mean, they get all kinds of paid time off, everywhere else, you know, I mean, whether you want to say it's good or bad, as Americans, we could push ourselves harder than any other culture I've seen in my experience. So when you say, oh, I feel okay, I'm like, nah, you're just too tough for your own good. And that's what I really feel the average American does. We push ourselves into heart attacks and into bad health and just drive. This is a way of getting a bearing on where you're at. And that's the only way really to attack a, a problem. You have to have information. You know, you have to see the enemy to be able to deal with the enemy. And so I, I think that Let's Get Checked is an invaluable tool towards everybody at home that if you're not going to your doctor and having regular blood work, this is the next thing to do. Have it done at home. It's you know it's not invasive. Uh, it's not time consuming, and just it's it's just remarkable on the feedback you're going to receive. Some of the main symptoms of hormonal imbalances include low energy or fatigue, erectile dysfunction, low sex drive or libido, infertility, anxiety or depression, and bloating and headaches. Uh, by the way, if you go to letsgetcheck.com um right now and uh for the next few weeks i believe it's any time in the month of february and you use the promo code frank mirror that is the promo code frank mirror they're up in the discount code uh they upped it to 20 percent off for this month only so go to letsgetcheck.com enter the promo code frank mirror all one word and save yourself some money get yourself a 20 percent off uh, value by doing that and supporting the phone booth fighting podcast in the process. Let's get checked.com. Joining us now, Frank, via the Skype is uh, Lucky Lauren Murphy, who was indeed lucky, although I don't think uh, luck played as big of a part in it as skill did, uh, this past Saturday night in Houston at UFC 247, defeating Andrea KGB Lee. Uh, Lauren, welcome back to the show. It's, uh, it's good to talk to you, and congratulations on a big victory Saturday night. How are you doing? 
Thank you. I'm doing really good. Yeah, I feel good. My face is uh, starting to heal up a little bit. But yeah, I always sport a lot of damage after fights now. So um, <laughs> it takes a minute for me to get back to kind of normal looking these days. I don't know. You look pretty normal yeah. looking to me. <laughs> uh, well, yeah. I, I put on a bunch of makeup, but uh, oh, ever yeah. since I went to 125 and started cutting weight, yeah, my face, like my eyes swell up when I get hit and I'm bad. Um, I get a lot of bruising now. I never used to really be like that uh, the first like half of my career. It seemed like I didn't wear that much damage. And like the last three or four fights I've noticed, I really started wearing a lot of damage. And it could be the competition too. You um, know what I mean? Probably yeah. has a lot to do with it. Are you finding any funny ways to deal with the fact that you probably get those weird looks still at the shoppings? You know, you're at the store and they're like, oh, girl, you should leave him. You know, like, yeah. don't take that. <laughs> we, do. we do. People just. Yeah. When we go out to eat sometimes and after a fight, all you want to do is go eat and uh, go see your friends. So, yeah, we've just kind of learned to brush it off and. Actually, people recognize me a lot more now, so it's a lot less awkward if at least one person recognizes me, like, wherever we go, then they can be like, oh, she's a fighter, and then I don't have to explain it, and, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, so, <laughs> yeah, it's getting better, for sure. Yeah, Imagine walking around with your daughter, and she has bruises on her. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's what Frank's dealing with now, because his daughter's training to, uh, become a fighter, so. Oh, man, so you guys probably get all the dirty looks Yeah, I definitely, an abusive fun. father, and, you know, and I'm, I'm twice her size, so, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm waiting for someone to, like, you know, call the police on us at a restaurant. I, we want to get shirts that just say stuff on them, like, you should see the other guy. Yeah. Or, like, yeah, it wasn't me or something or He's like doing that. the dishes from now on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, that's funny you uh, you bring up your husband, Lauren, because uh, we were watching the fight. My, my girlfriend Jennifer and I were watching the fight. And uh, she goes, you, you won, and, you know, they show your corner guys. And she goes, is that her husband? And I said, yeah, I think so. And about that time, Lauren jumps up on him, wraps her legs around him, and starts kissing him. And Jennifer goes, well, I hope it is. It's <laughs> <laughs> an awkward moment <laughs> if it wasn't. That would have been real awkward, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So let's talk about this fight because, uh, you know, I mean, for anybody, obviously, who's followed women's MMA for a long time, even going back to the Invicta days and now that the flyweight division has uh, been established for women in the UFC, they know your name is a perennial top 10 contender. But this was a fight that I think even though you came in, if I'm not mistaken, you were maybe ranked one spot above Andrea Lee. You were an underdog like three and a half to one four to one something like that i mean this was uh this was an upset yeah yeah it was and it, it's really an upset because most of the fight was contested on the feet yeah and that's where i think people really did not expect me to shine as much as i did but yeah i'm super proud of my performance i'm really really happy with it and i've watched the fight back a couple times and um, you know, obviously there's always things that we could do better. Like I'm already thinking about the stuff I want to improve on, but, um, I feel like I showed up and showed out that night. And so I'm, I'm really happy. Uh, this might, uh, I'm still noticing that I feel like the women's movement is such embraced and, and really represented by female mixed martial arts. But I wonder how much the fact that Andrea Lee, you know, she's been in a lot of magazines doing a lot of like, you know, uh, a lot of attention in that way how much that factors into people favoring her in the fight because when they first she was favored so drastically i didn't see it warranted yeah but then i tried to go well like is it, fe it feels more so even though it is amongst the men sometimes it could become a popularity contest on who they think is going to win i wonder do you feel that it's even worse amongst the the female fighters oh for sure like uh just in our case andrea 
has like 150,000 followers on Instagram. I have like 13,000 followers on Instagram. Right. Well, I'm and one of them. You know so I mean? quality has, over quantity. I'm one of them. <laughs> well, thank you. No, I appreciate it. But it really does have a lot to do with my Instagram is full yeah. of me and my husband, me and my dog. We do house renovations. Uh, it's a lot of me training and looking like hell. And hers is a lot of her posing in photo shoots. And, right. and I'm, not, I'm not knocking it. I'm not knocking it. I'm saying she has a large fan base. You know, and she deserves to have a large fan base, but it definitely does make a difference in public perception because the ratio is so skewed when it comes to people that support her as opposed to people that support me. Well, before, you know, before we... I'm really not knocking it. I don't want it to come across like that. But in women's MMA, you know, some of the women in MMA have huge, huge followings based on the pictures that they post and the way that they look. And in Andrea's case, she's a very exciting fighter as well. And so it's, uh, it's yeah, she has a ton of fans. Well, yep. b- before we uh, we let it go any further, then let throw out your Instagram handle so we can try to even these numbers a little bit. Let's get the uh, phone booth fighting listeners behind I'm, you there. What's the What's the Instagram? I'm at Lauren Murphy MMA, and that's on Instagram, which I'm mostly on, and on Twitter. Okay. Uh, I stay away from Facebook these days, but I'm pretty fan receptive, and I talk to a lot of people on Instagram. So hit me up. Yeah, I'm around for sure. Oh, okay, and uh, uh, phone booth fighting listeners, don't embarrass us now. Frank and I are, are putting <laughs> you on the spot. Let's uh, let's uh, have Lauren see a spike in those followers. By the way, speaking of home renovations, I, I it looks like I see some people carrying some building supplies or something just <laughs> yeah. outside the window I'm, you got- at, I'm doing house renovations right now I'm literally in the middle of it and I put I put down the hammer and uh, the the saw to come out here and talk to you Thank guys you. but today's the fun day it's demo day so oh. we're just pulling it we just bought a house we closed on it last week oh. and we're pulling out all the flooring today all the trim um, uh, all like the shelving that's installed in the house right now we're gonna take all that out so damn i mean it is tuesday right yeah yeah <laughs> did you take any days off or did you get right back <laughs> on it took, okay we at least took a you at least said it was not even a three-day weekend because you were working saturday traveled on <laughs> sunday so i guess you took yesterday off i mean that's a workhorse there huh yeah to be honest with you we closed on this house a week before the fight and i love doing this stuff i love doing house renovations i cannot wait because this is really the house that we closed on it's really cool uh um it's gonna be all over my instagram but it's a really cool house and i'm excited to make it into like our dream home it's got a really big backyard and a nice oh, so this isn't a house you're flipping this is this is for you guys this is for us and we're gonna live here our plan is to live here for the foreseeable future the next five six years and uh but we always have in our mind that we want to increase the value of whatever house we're living in so we bought it for a certain price we're going to immediately increase the value making it look the way we want to look and then before we leave whenever that will be we'll make sure that the value of it is higher than what we bought it for. that makes me so happy to hear someone who's a successful fighter who's also smart in other areas because that's one thing that scares me is there's so many people in the fight business that i'm like you don't realize it's going to come to an end. Yeah. And, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and, and, you know, some people just haven't made enough of a name where I'm like, hey, you know, you're not going to live off your Instagram, dude. I don't know what to tell you. And they don't have anything else coinciding with their career. And just it's it's a train wreck waiting to happen. And just there's nothing you could tell guys because they don't believe it's going to come to an end. You mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No. You know, all our careers end at some point And I'm well aware, you know, like not only of how old I am, but I'm just well aware that we have such a short time in fighting anyway. And 
it's like pretty soon I'm going to be buying my tickets to the UFC and wishing it was me that was still in the cage. So I try to, I try to keep that in mind a lot, you know, and it keeps me grateful and it keeps me hardworking and, and it also keeps me kind of smart when it comes to our finances. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what, what prompted, cause I know you've moved to Houston and, uh, you now share a, uh, a coach with Derek Lewis, if I'm not mistaken, right? That's right. Yeah. yeah, good old Bob Perez, the general. That's right. The uh, he's got the uh, he's got the nineteenth century uh, strongman in the circus mustache. That's why I always. Dude, that thing is not moving for nothing. Yeah, that thing is styled by the hand of God. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> <laughs> now, because uh, I know you uh, you you were in Arizona and you guys moved out there to to Texas, which uh, is my home state. What uh what prompted the move for you? Um training really mm-hmm. i was at the i was training at the lab and my husband was the gm at the lab as well out in arizona yeah and there's a lot of great guys out there um we were really deeply entrenched in the lab for a long time but you know i went two and four fighting out of the lab uh-huh. and uh, i just felt like it was really i needed some change i wanted to be surrounded by um my coaches out here uh, one of them took me through Invicta. His name is Alex Cisne, and he was my coach through Invicta. Um, I went 4-0 and with him. We fought for Legacy together. He took me through my entire Invicta career, and then when I signed with the UFC is when I went to the lab. And um, I just, I've known him really well. I, I, I've missed him for a really long time, and uh, I came back out to Houston for my last fight camp, and I worked with him and with Bob Perez, and we just had the time of our lives, man. I, I just felt like I've rediscovered what I loved about the sport. I felt really passionate about what I was doing. I was excited to go to training every day again. I was surrounded by a lot of positivity, which is really a big deal for me. Like I really want to be in a positive, happy environment because fighting is so hard and it's so stressful. So to be around people and to be around coaches that really believed in me and really thought that I could, you know, um, be a top five fighter in the UFC and they meet all, you know, they meet all those, uh, they check all those boxes. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> it was time for us to go. And, and um, this is what we do. This is what we love. Our lives are entrenched in fighting more than anything else. My husband's a really good black belt. And um, he got a job out here teaching at Henzo Gracie. So they're opening a school for him soon in southern Houston. And he's going to have his own school. Oh, okay. And, uh, yeah, and I'm going to be surrounded by coaches that I absolutely adore. And it just seemed like it would be stupid not to take that opportunity. No, oh, that's great. If you don't know this, I, I, a long time Five fans probably have heard this story before, but this is one of the amazing stories to me, Frank. I don't know if you know this one or not. So, Lauren, you have now been a uh, professional, uh, gosh, about 10 years, right? I mean, just right about yeah. 10 years. And you originally got into MMA because your son signed up for jiu-jitsu and you took him to jiu-jitsu class and she wanted to be supportive, so she took the class with him. And then she turns out, this would be like my mom when she took me for my first guitar lesson if she had turned out to be the rock star. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. <laughs> that's so interesting uh, to me. I mean, that's a that's a great story. Does your son, I don't know how old he was at that time when he signed up for jujitsu, but does that fully uh, compute with him? Like, how interesting and bizarre and cool and, and, I mean, that's basically shaped your entire life for the last... 10 years and not only you your husband what he does but i mean and and it i your son deserves some credit for that too because i mean in a strange way he actually kind of led you to your career path whether you realized it at the time or not right no he really did and and uh i've always one of the things i've always loved about being a fighter is showing max 
that, you know, if you commit to something and you really believe in something and you give it a hundred percent, that there's no real downside. Like we've lost fights before and we've had some hard times in fighting, but we've gotten to live a fight, live a life that we really, really love. You yeah. know what I mean? I don't have a boss. I don't have to answer to anybody. I get to make my own hours. I get to wake up every day and do exactly what I feel like doing. Same thing with my husband, Joe. And it, I think more than anything, as Max has grown up, he's 18 now. Yeah. And he was he was eight when that started. Uh, I think to show him that if you just really commit and believe and give give your very best, you know, that you can have a life that's beyond your wildest dreams. And I, I love that he got to see that growing up. Isn't that amazing, God, Frank? A phenomenal story. I mean, what if what if Bella, your daughter, had thought she wanted to train, but Jennifer took her to uh, jujitsu, and then Jennifer ends up turning pro? That's a really cool story. She'd be probably be a pretty formidable fighter as well. Your <laughs> wife, oh, yeah, Jesus. yeah. That's, she might have missed her. She calling. would have been banned from the sport. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she's too vicious and evil. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, okay, so so with this win over um, Andrea Lee, I, I want to talk to you about a couple of the, the the well, the call out you made in the cage and the other idea you had and all that. But I also do want to ask you too. I mean, this was a, a split decision. I had this for you twenty nine twenty eight, um, but you know there was. Uh, I, I thought your fight, I didn't think your fight was as de- was as debatable as some of the other ones we saw on the card, but I felt like your fight kind of got lumped in with a larger conversation about judging on the evening, you know? Yeah. And so, uh, but I wanted to ask you about that because one thing that has been uh, pointed out is there was some controversy about whether or not one of the judges was actually watching the fight or on his phone and i've had a hard time looking at that conclusively telling whether or not that's what was happening he said he was looking at down at a monitor seeing the fight i mean do you i don't know if you've watched it back yet or anything do you you have a personal Mm -hmm. thought about any of that because that obviously was happening during your fight yeah i have a lot of thoughts on all of that Mm. um first of all the from what I understand, the person that Joe Rogan was looking at was not a judge. It was a commissioner, and he thought it was a judge. Yeah. And then there was, like, a video that came out that um, Andy Wynn took of somebody looking at their phone, and, again, it wasn't a judge. Mm. Um, also, the commission released a statement that said, like, the judges now have monitors that are, um, like, n- they're below the level of the cage. So yeah. it might look like they're looking down, but they're watching monitors. Which, like, I think Dana and Joe Rogan and the commentators and everybody have those monitors. So, um, I I also share the frustration with judging. I think open scoring is a great idea. Um, I would love to know. Like, I thought I won the first round of that fight, but two judges gave it to Andrea. And so, as a fighter, I would love to know, like, what the score is going into the second and going into the third so that I can adjust my game plan and do what I need to do to have a dominant victory. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I don't want to win by split decision. I don't like that either. But um, I I love the idea of having open scoring. And, and I think the judging was kind of – maybe it was kind of messed up at UFC 247, but um, I felt that I won that – I felt that I won my fight. I knocked her mouthpiece out three fucking times in that fight. Yeah. Like, I mean – Uh, I backed her up. I had all the positions on the cage. Every time it went to the ground, I was on top. I scored all the takedowns in the fight. She got Mm -hmm. zero out of three, and I think I landed two out of four. Mm -hmm. Um, You know what I mean? I don't know what to tell you. Like, it was a really close fight. I I understand the frustration with the judging process because I'm honestly not a fan of it either. And I've been on the wrong end of a couple really close decisions myself in the UFC. It is a hard pill to swallow. 
But I won that fight Saturday night, and I'm extremely proud of my performance. Yeah. And I, I'm really bummed that the fans booed at the end of it because yeah. I think if they had cheered, I think we would have gotten fight of the night. And them booing put a damper on the whole fight. And it was like we just had this – both of us had really good performances. We both put on an awesome, bloody, violent show, which is what they're paying to see. And then to boo at the end of it, I think it took us out of that fight of the night running. And that, that really bummed sure. me out because – those Andrea Lee fans probably screwed her out of fifty thousand extra dollars mm. by booing. Well, that's you exactly know? what it is. Is that she just had more fans in the crowd that were unhappy with how the decision go? But Richard and I are both on the side that we feel exactly how you described it. That you won the fight. Uh, it was a close fight and a brutal fight. But look, you know, uh, when things are, you know, I, I think the problem right now with. with everybody with judging and i plan to fix this for myself and i know you've talked about it we're actually going to go down and take the course with john mccarthy goes and certifies judges and refs because here we all are having this debate i hear joe rogan have the debate i hear dana say things and they don't know judge they, they they've never really taken a course on judging so i hear people throw things around and just my little bit of working with john mccarthy he laughs when you say that. He goes, well, he was controlling the ring. He's like, that doesn't, that's not in, you know that no one cares about that, right? Like, the judges don't give a shit who's controlling octagon control. Yeah. Like, mm -hmm. that's not a judging criteria, mm -hmm. you know? And so there's so many factors that are going in that, like, basically, we're observing, let's say, a football game, and none of us know really how much a touchdown is worth. You know, oh, right. What's a yeah, touchdown yeah. versus a field goal? Yeah. And now we're making it subjective. Yeah. And then that's the part, too, that I 100% agree with you. It needs to be open scoring, even once we do all figure out how judging works better mm -hmm. so we can speak to it <laughs> with some kind of, uh, you know, uh, fact-based, you know, uh, opinion. Um, the open scoring is the only way it makes sense. Could you imagine, again, uh, just because the Super Bowl is on top of my mind, football, imagine having a football game and at the end telling everybody what the score is. Right, yeah. yeah. And yeah. and each judge doesn't have the same criteria. So, like, one judge thinks a field goal, in his opinion, is really difficult, mm -hmm. and so he gives you four points for it. But you don't know about that until the end. And the other judge thinks, hey, running a touchdown is not that hard, but throwing one in is really hard, so that's worth ten points. Yeah. But And it changes yeah. from fight to fight, judge to judge, because different judges have different opinions. But as a fighter, like what you're saying, Lauren, is if at the end of the first round you're like, oh, they gave her that. I punched her in the face 10 times. She took me down once, and she won the round. I'm going to switch gears. I'm going to wrestle more now to win these next two rounds. We yeah. would have that instead of at the end finding out, well, how did that judge see it? Well, I, well, now it's too late. There's nothing I can do about it but your opinion on how to judge a fight. Yeah. yeah it, is it is tough, too, Lauren, that the point you bring up when fans get distracted, you know, whether or not they had their favorite or, or whatever, they – I think a lot of times don't see the forest for the trees in the sense that what you're doing is you're booing a good close yeah. fight. You're not booing yeah. a robbery. You know, it's not, it's not, okay, somebody was out of their right. damn minds. It was, that was close. My fighter didn't win and I'm booing. But what you don't realize is you're really, the way that that's coming across is it's like you're booing a fine yeah. effort from not just one fighter, well, but two fighters. And I've always disagreed with doing that. I'm always pissed when I hear fans. Yeah. You know, and, and I'll probably get in trouble if I tell you my real opinion. <laughs> but, <laughs> but absolutely, you're right. I wouldn't have thought about that. The fans booing cost 
even their fighter uh, a fight bonus. Like, mm -hmm. yeah. wow. Like, like when you said that, I was like, wow, that, that is a really true statement. I didn't make those connections. But you're absolutely right. They, they ripped off their own girl because they booed that they weren't happy about the outcome. But yeah. it's like, yeah, but the fight was awesome. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, yeah, I I felt really bad about that because it's like, man, I know that I know she has a lot of fans in Texas. She wears mm -hmm. she wears a cowboy hat. Mm -hmm. She's wearing a cowboy hat when the decision was read. Of course, they're gonna boo yeah. the girl that's wearing the cowboy hat that doesn't win. Of course, I got booed when I walked out, and I train in Houston. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, but it's like it's like I knew she was gonna have a lot of fans there, uh, and I just felt so badly that they didn't appreciate what an awesome fight it really was because it was one of the best female fights I think that has taken place on that canvas. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Listen, I got to tell you, just on a personal level, you you don't uh, know this, Lauren, but I was sitting there watching that. I said to Jennifer while we were watching, I said, "Damn it, I wish I could fight like Lauren Murphy." I have had two short fights, Lauren, and neither one of them uh went very well and i was like man i was watching you fight and just keep coming forward like that and i was like damn it i wish i could do that but that's what more Thank people you. i wish that were. actually means like really a lot to me <laughs> thanks a lot well i'll send you the clips of my two fights and it'll mean even more because you'll be like oh yeah gee i see well, what you're saying and, and what lauren's saying what we all think that's what i wish fans yeah. would appreciate more like look this past sunday again third time's a yeah. charm on the football analogy i was rooting for the 49ers i wasn't upset at the end of the game like, uh -huh. obviously, I was like, oh, you know, because now I got to hear the trash talking from everybody I'm watching yeah. the, the game with. But I was happy I saw a really great game. I wasn't upset. I was like, oh, well, hey, that was a really great game. And I don't get why more fans aren't that way going, hey. That, now, if your person runs away from you and takes you down and plays the point system and they, they pull out a really shitty decision, boo away. But now you're booing at the performance, not the yeah, outcome. Yeah, yeah, right. But when two yeah. people go to war – hey man that's phenomenal they're out there fighting their asses off like that's what you want to appreciate and fans just i, I think it's people that just don't have anything I, I don't know i'll shut up before i get in trouble no i think <laughs> i i think that's a that's a I fair assessment you, yeah. yeah right yeah. To, to me honestly that type of reaction should be reserved for when a fighter wins a very cautiously conservatively yes. fought fight and even then i don't begrudge the fighter for doing it but i would tell that fighter hey the trade-off is going to be that some of the people who bought tickets you know are maybe going to give you a little bit of crap for the strategy and you're just going to have to accept that because you want to say fight tyrone but, woodley versus yeah. uh um damien maya, damien maya. One? yeah there, mm -hmm. perfect example mm -hmm. like look hey, hey smart fight you're, you're fighting a dangerous grappler, probably the most yeah. dangerous grappler ever in MMA. But guess what? You're going to own the booze at the end. Like, what yeah, are you right. booing for? Like, well, we're booing because the fight sucked. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, you got your W, you retained your title, and you say, hey, I'm fighting to retain my title. But then you're going to get booze. Just be like, hey, you got to shrug your shoulders. Like, right. hey, you know what? It is what it is. I'm going home the champ, you know? Yeah, yeah, for yeah. sure. All right, so let's talk about these, uh, where you want to go from here, Lauren, because you mentioned Roxanne Montefiore in the cage. I I That'd saw, and that would be great. Be uh, really she herself coming off a huge upset yes. uh, over Macy Barber. Uh, yeah, and I know uh, you, I think in a post-fight interview, you also mentioned Joanne Calderwood, which would be uh, another uh, a couple of syndicate products yeah, I was from right saying, here in Las Vegas. Yeah, you're going Vegas, after right? all my teammates, dude. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's yeah. great trades, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, That's but, all right. Oh, look, Good. they're the only ones that are coming off wins, and they're the only ones that can make weight, which is why I yeah. want to fight them, because the other girls in the top five, two of them have missed weight badly, really badly. And the third one is coming off a loss right now. So That's one factor. There's only two left coming off wins. You know, to think of it, 
I've never had to deal with that. Yeah. As a heavyweight, it's funny. Things that you know you talk about you deal with in different aspects. But I've never had to worry about so my my opponent missing weight like yeah heavyweights just obviously we don't miss weight you yeah know i mean like <laughs> yeah <laughs> like uh, could you imagine i mean and you're sucked up you're tired you're fatigued you've done everything you're supposed to do to make weight and you're suffering and you find out that not only did they miss weight but they missed it so badly that they possibly canceled the fight altogether and like yeah, yeah. oh I, I couldn't imagine like I think that like most of the time our sports pretty friendly amongst each other. It's like, look, you know, like you're a warrior. I'm a warrior. I got to kick your ass to bring home the paycheck. But you know, it is, I understand. But like, that's one of those things where I can, I can really breed some animosity between somebody like, well, yeah. now you're costing me money because you don't have the, you know, the, the discipline to get down. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's very yeah. true. Well, what, uh, have you heard any, I know it's only been a few days, but have you heard any preliminary response from either one of these fight ideas you're throwing out there oh yeah you know roxanne and i actually talk a lot we're friends yeah (laughs) so i mean we talk all the time and she wrote to me and she was like that was so exciting you called me out and uh she's uh, she's just totally down and i think it's going to be a great fight so uh hopefully they'll do it like like um i said three months but Mm -hmm. there's no way the ufc could turn us around in three months i don't think they just have too many people on their roster but Mm -hmm. Um, if we were talking about like four or five months out somewhere like maybe June or July, like what about international fight week? That would be great. You know, and then we could do it in Vegas, which is Roxanne's like current hometown and I'll go out to Vegas and we'll have the PI at our disposal. And I think it would just be really great. We'll do it. (laughs) Tell you what, Mick, go ahead. Just set it up for international fight week. Me and Roxanne will go and throw it down. It'll be a great fight. And, uh, yeah, it'll be a fight between two top five contenders right now which both of our stories are really cool like our careers were supposed to be over a while ago i think people thought and we're both resurging in our careers right now and just i think it's going to be an awesome fight we're both durable tough skilled like what else do people want a couple of fighters with invicta history you know i mean i think it would bring up a nice narrative in the fight build up to it i mean there's not really going to be a, a lot of trash talking in that so you replace that with kind of uh you know getting a chance to showcase the the lineage and the history of women's MMA and kind of what's gotten us to this UFC flyweight division and be able to hell that'll promote some old archive fights on yeah. fight pass. They got to love that. Right. Uh, those are my favorite yeah. kind of fights. Yeah. No bullshit beforehand. Yeah, yeah. If you don't want to watch it, then I don't need to fucking fake yeah. it for you to watch it, but just a phenomenal fight once the bell rings. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, that's, yeah. I think that would be a great choice. A couple other just quick things for you, Lauren, cause I know you got to get back to your demo and all that. Uh, uh, cause you got your tool belt on or whatever. Um, uh, but we, we, I, I thought about you a couple of weeks ago, and not, not just you, but some of the other, uh, uh, obviously Roxanne, but some of the other female veterans in, in the UFC a couple of weeks ago when, when Roxanne did beat Macy Barber, because that was so bizarre at the end of the fight. And am I, am I confusing you with somebody else, or did you maybe have an online reaction to that whole? It was me. Yeah, that was, was you, me. right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, what was your read on i mean i gotta tell you what i saw was like someone who here's what i thought happened and i'm gonna give benefit of the doubt here and you you tell me if you think i'm just being too kind i think the nicest thing you can say about the way that played out was that that was somebody who thought that there was way more concern about her losing than there really was like if i had lost a fight and my first thought was oh, my God, the world's going to need an explanation for this. I mean, obviously, 
everybody was sitting on the edge of their seat expecting me to win this fight, and I can't just you know have the greater public be bewildered, not be able to enjoy the rest of the <laughs> evening. I I must explain and give this kind of weird qualified explanation. I don't know. I mean, I'm look, I'm not twenty anymore, whatever that, however young she is, and I know yeah. people make a big, but surely one there. I got to tell you this: if I was in that corner, if I'd have seen that coming. I would that PR train wreck. I would have been like, "Get back over here!" This, you yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. Don't do that. Don't do that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, you bring up a good point. Like to Macy's credit, she's like 21, I think, and yeah. I was a fucking idiot when I was 21. I was a moron. Yeah. So if I had been her age, I probably would have done something maybe <laughs> similar or the same. But, but yeah, I think uh, it it hurts to lose in the UFC, and it hurts bad. And when yeah. you're a big favorite going into a fight and you walk away with a loss, it can really, really, really suck. And I think that's what happened to Macy and. She's going to learn how to deal with her losses better for sure. Like, I don't think, I don't think she'll ever do that again, but that was fucked up, man. You don't take the mic from the winner to explain yourself before, before Roxanne even got her moment. Roxanne was like a 10 to one underdog in that fight. And man, you just got to let her have her moment. And I, I know it hurts. I know it sucks, but. Uh, that's that's what you have to do, and you just got to congratulate them and fucking move on with your life, and you'll end up looking a lot better in the long run, yeah. loss and everything. Well, but, I, but she's so young, she's so young. It's like she's got time to learn all that, and uh, Lord knows I was a parent myself when I was that age. So yeah, I'll tell you what, I think she also caught a little bit of a break too, doing that to Roxanne because there's a lot of other people who wouldn't have been so nice about because Roxanne even I felt like was not apologizing for her, but like trying to cushion the blow of like she didn't even she didn't even take the low hanging fruit of going. Yeah, that was bizarre. Yeah, anyway. All right. Roxanne has, like, no ego about her. Yeah. No. Roxanne's a really good lady, and she handled it better than anybody on the roster would have. Anybody. Yeah. Roxanne is one so. of the most unassuming human beings. Like, you know, when people sit there, oh, that's a nice person. I can't believe they fight. Yeah. She or her pictures in the book when it comes to that description because she is, yeah. like, yeah. the nicest <laughs> human being. Like, I, I expect her to be on some kind of, like, you know, uh, tour in Africa saving children, you know, yeah. like not actually being a professional fighter. Yeah, for sure. And then one more thing for you, Lauren. And uh, uh, I, we mentioned this on the podcast, I believe, but I, I just haven't had a chance to tell you this personally. You, uh, back in November, you and, and Marion Renault, of all people, uh, had a little back and forth about uh, Michael Vick and my dog Mel on Twitter. And Marion posted, she was upset that I, I guess the NFL had picked Michael Vick to be involved in the Pro Bowl or something. And Marion Renault, who I did not know had this passion about her, which was great to find out that she was a big pit bull advocate and, and, and rescue advocate, had posted about this. And, and Lauren responded to her and mentioned me and, and Mel. And I don't think you, I don't know, I know we follow each other, so maybe you saw this, Lauren, but that meant so much to me because Mel had passed away right about that time. Oh, I'm and, sorry to hear that. Yeah, he was, uh, it was just right about when that happened. You know, Mel was, was 13 and a half. He was, I mean, it Aww. was, he was in his 14th year and his brother passed away just a couple of months after that. So, um, you know, it's as, as tough as that was, um, you know, that's the number you hope for. I mean, you hope that your 
your dog is with you that long, especially yeah. for that breed and all that. So, you know, we were we were more fortunate than a lot of the people who had rescued the Vic dogs because Mel was one of the youngest. You know, a lot of people didn't get to be with their dogs for as long as we got to have Mel. So, um, but I just wanted to let you know that because it was, it came at the exact right time. It was just, you know, it was about a month after he had passed away and the whole thing was going on with Vic and the NFL. Well, nothing surprises me that they do, but I know a lot of people were outraged by it. And it was just nice to see a couple of people that are involved in my sport having a, uh, just a conversation of conscious about it, I guess yeah. is what I'll say. So just thanks for being one of the good people. And same to Mary and Renault, and I appreciate you guys for saying what you said. So thank you. Of course, anytime. And I'm, I'm glad that you got all that time with Mel, too. It's, it's nice to think that he had all those years with somebody that loved him so much. Yeah, you know? thank you. Thank yeah. you very much. Now, how are your – you still have your two dogs, yes? Uh, we're, we have one. Uh, Joe's dog passed away last year, oh. almost two years ago now. And uh, he was our old man. So yeah. he, went, he went peacefully, but it was hard. Joe actually – um, just got a tattoo of him finished on his arm. Mm, so mm -hmm. yeah, and then I have my baby girl. She's she's all over my Instagram. She's five now. She's my middle aged woman. Yeah, uh, she's uh, she's goofy as ever. So we we're Doberman people, Frank. We own uh, we'll probably always own Dobermans, and I have a goofy ass female Doberman that just runs amok all over my Instagram. Well, she, she, she loves was, the new house. It's got a big yard for her. That's great. She was on the podcast last time you were on, I believe. In fact, uh, our... Yeah, actually, she is. She's hanging out right here. What? Uh, oh, wait you. a second. Yeah. yeah. Where did she go? Oh, she just took off. When she comes back, I'll... Uh, okay, well, I'm sure... I'm, I'm sure she's supervising the construction crew in your absence. Come here, Penny. Come here. Here you go. Hey, Penny. <laughs> Hi, Penny. Oh, look at that. What are you doing, huh? Hi. What are you doing? <laughs> hey there. All right, good. Good. That. Uh, yeah, so that's my girl. <laughs> yeah. Well, listen, we'll let you get back to work there because I know you got a big problem. Thanks for making some time yeah. for us uh, to talk about this. Uh, but you saw it was I have to time. wave off a few people with the fingers, so thanks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. all good. Anytime. Thank all right. you guys for having me on. Of course. And uh, keep us posted. You know, uh, hopefully that fight with Roxanne will get made. And uh, once we get that thing booked and get closer to International Fight Week, of course, that'll be here in Vegas and all that. Let's uh, let's hope for the best with all that and then come back on. Let's talk about it. Let's do it. Yeah, you could. Honestly, this would be one of those things you could have Roxanne and I both on, probably. There yeah. you go. <laughs> let's maybe think about doing that. We get Roxanne in studio. Yeah, yeah we can do something perfect. like yeah, that, yeah. of course. All right. Well, everybody follow uh, Lauren on Instagram at Lauren Murphy MMA. Nothing else yeah. for your penny picks. You're going to see a yeah, lot more exactly. penny on there. All right. All right. Listen, thanks again for the time, and we'll talk to you soon. Okay, Lauren? All right. Talk to you All guys right. later. Bye. Have a good one. All right, Frank. Well, uh, we led with Lauren Murphy because uh, she was our special guest on the episode, but she was on the prelims. The main event at UFC 247 was John Jones once again successfully defending his light heavyweight title against Dominic Reyes. But I'll tell you what, Frank, uh, this was not nearly as easy as of a defense as a number of other John Jones defenses have been. Yeah. Uh, I actually thought it was entirely possible that John lost this fight 48-47. If he won it, he won it 48-47. Uh, I thought Dominic took the first three rounds and uh, – uh, or I'm sorry, the first two rounds, and Jones won the last – 
three, but you could make a very valid argument that Dominic might have won three rounds, and uh, he bested Jones on most of the punch stat numbers. I think all the punch stat numbers. Yeah, every, pretty much everyone oh. I saw, I think he... Yeah, no, and I mean, hey, look, yeah. uh, John's a friend of mine. The only thing I will say, John got uh, the couple of takedowns yeah. that could have made a difference, but, yeah, but they were not what? consequential, really. And again, what I was saying earlier, uh, that's why I want to take the the, the, the course with, with McCarthy. Mm-hmm. You know, we sit here and just like Joe, you know, this or that, and, and I've, I've sat next to John and shows and, and hear, hear him talk and almost laughing about what people go, well, you know, it's almost kind of like, I think we all understand that's not true anymore. Mm-hmm. But when people always say that, like, well, you know, you really got to take, you know, you got to beat the champ to take the title. Well, we all know that's not true. Mm-hmm. Each fighter, it's A and B. You know, mm-hmm. just because you're the champ doesn't give you extra points mm-hmm. uh, going into each round. Where it's like, well, you're going to start with a a ten nine lead because you're the champ, and the other guy has to make a comeback. Like, but I think we still throw terms around where I realize that those don't matter. Like, th- that's not judging criteria. Well, like he was really coming forward and, and controlling the ring. It's like. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that that's that's very low on the the, the ladder on what's important in, in judging fight criteria. Uh, you know, effective damage is number one, and then if that's even, then they go to uh, you know quantity of work. That's two. Then the third one, if all else is equal, and John told me when he's seen fights it, he's never got to that part. Like it never gets to the mm-hmm. well. Both guys. Or even here and even here, and now we're going to say, well, who was in more control of positioning against the cage and maybe on the ground and controlling? Mm-hmm. Like, like it's almost impossible. He told me to get to that part without one of the other two factors trumping first. Well, yeah, yeah, you had me against the cage, but since you didn't throw any strikes really, and I landed that one straight right hand that knocked your head back. I'm winning. Mm-hmm. Like I won that criteria. We don't get to go to the next criteria. Like because it's a fight, they're judging damage, mm-hmm. and the fact that uh, you know Dominic Reyes landed, you know, and, and caused what I thought was more damage going in the first three rounds. I thought the three rounds were his, even with the takedown with John in the third, and then obviously John won round five and, and won round four. Um, I, I don't think it was a blowout, and you know, an atrocity, but I thought, you know, and I could sit there in the argument that maybe John won the third round. I don't think that's crazy. I do think only giving Dominic one round. I would like to sit and talk to that yeah. judge and go, really? So, like, one and two, you gave one of those rounds to John. How? You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, I don't see it. Like, he was outlanded, outscored, and didn't secure any takedowns. He completely got out kickboxed. Rounds one and two. I mean, without anybody really, yeah. you, know, you know, not really up for debate, really. It's like if this was a kickboxing match or just, you know, and what, what it was, because now there was no takedowns, who won? Oh, DR did. You know what I mean? Like, so one and two are his, so how can he only get one round? Like, you know, round three going, it's like, well, the takedown, the strikes, I get it. You know what I mean? It throws it off. You know, that'd be like saying that round five was debatable. Well, I don't know. DR might have got that one. It's like, really? I don't think so. That was pretty much a John round. I, I don't see how you would equate that. To, you know what I mean? Yeah. Same kind of how I thought round one was for you know Dominic Reyes. Yeah, I was um, I was talking to the MMA junkie guys earlier about this, and we were talking about how you know you always have to seize that moment of like if you're Dominic Reyes, try to get this 
rematch made as soon as possible. Because first of all, you got Dana White acknowledging in the post-fight press conference, I would absolutely not mind seeing a rematch of these two guys. That's not a conversation that's always happened with John Jones victories just because they've been dominant. Yeah. But the same thing happened with Tiago Santos. And it shows you how quick out of sight, out of mind is because that's a guy who dealt with a with a leg injury, and just in the time that he's been healing that up, here comes undefeated Dominic Reyes along, loses a very close fight to John Jones, and now everybody's on to that when there was also a great case to be made for yeah. getting Tiago Santos a rematch. So it's kind of like, especially when you're you're up against one of the all-time greats like that, man, you gotta you got to take advantage of when yeah. you're sharing a little bit of that spotlight as quick as you can before you're out of it. Yeah, I mean, and, and now... I thought that John would be able to do more damage on Dominic when he got him down. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I did know that John would have a hard time striking with him because mm-hmm. John's striking really, if you look at it, like he always has issues with guys that he doesn't have his, his significant reach advantage over. Um, height and reach because john's not a very fast athlete he's actually kind of on the slow side really Mm -hmm. when it comes to light heavyweights extremely strong and but his his lack of speed and explosiveness is made up for by the fact that he has such long reach well so now like you know when he went against uh uh, gustafson in their first matchup the striking you know even in the second matchup he was getting outstruck he just took him down and beat him up on the ground john was a little bit you know as a fan of john and a friend i'm sitting there going man this isn't looking good going into the third round i was Mm -hmm. quite uh nervous for john uh because gustafson's uh height nullified his height and John needs that advantage in the striking world because of his, his lack of speed. And so you saw that in the Dominic Reyes fight. I knew that John couldn't strike with him. Dominic is a much quicker athletic guy in that respect. Um, whereas once he got him down, though, I'm like, guys, John is ungodly strong. People, I mean, Daniel Cormier could tell you, he is shockingly strong. His, you know, like with farm boy strong. Like when he gets a hold of something, if he grabs your wrist, it's his wrist now. Like mm-hmm. he just, you know, physically strong, can crunch down on people. And you saw that in the Gustafsson fight when John finally got Gus down. He slipped a leg in. He did a high uh, single leg ride, grabbed wrist control, and boom, it was over with. Like you see Gustafsson just could not get out. He's like, whoa, I'm just, you know, just like vacuumed in, you know, uh, uh, turned to stone. And I thought there would be opportunities that, well, when John does that, it's going to beat up Dominic. Mm-hmm. He couldn't, Dominic was too slippery. I mean, the takedowns were almost of, of uh, almost to the point where they're insignificant because the no damage was really done. No, he got right back up. Yeah, so it's like, do you really even count that? Like, I personally don't count that. Mm-hmm. Me getting a takedown and you bouncing up, this isn't a wrestling match. Mm-hmm. Takedowns for position. That would be like me going and slipping a punch coming at me, and I move out of the way, and I push you off, and I laugh. People go, oh, he's winning. I'm all, yeah, not really. That didn't do shit. The other guy threw a punch. You slipped it, got great positioning off the slip, and you didn't counter. Yeah. So if you get a takedown and you don't do any damage, it doesn't count in my those, opinion. Those kinds of takedowns, to me, 
are reserved for factoring in in fights like Lawrence. We were just yes. talking about where everything else is dead even. Dead even. Yes, 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 yes. That's the only time you hundred percent agree that. with you. Do you. Well, it's like okay, well, the other girl showed an initiative to mm-hmm. get it to the ground and accomplished it. So now, okay, you know, we're even here. Effective damage. Well, they both beat the shit out of each other. Okay, yeah. okay. Effective quantity. Well, they're both throwing a lot. Okay, the bunch stats are about even. Well, the other girl got takedowns and she didn't. All right. Well, the, the, we got. I, I hate having a draw. Theirs are not. Those know? those kind of takedowns are like when the vice president casts a vote in the Senate. Yes. It's only when it's 50-50. Right. right? I, I would like to almost think, I wish we would start looking at takedowns like advantages, mm-hmm. how we do in jiu-jitsu. So all of my guys at home, the jiu-jitsu practitioners will understand this, meaning that if the score is tied, now advantages come into play, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Who got more advantages? Yeah. Whereas I think in a fight, if everything is tied, then we can go to who took down who more. But a takedown should be thought as of taking someone down and then like how John did to, um, um, he was the uh, uh, one heavyweight champ, uh, Brandon Vera. Oh, uh-huh. he, he gets Brandon Vera down and boom, 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 crushes his eye in. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like that's like typically, or how he did against Gustafsson. Normally when John gets on top of somebody, uh, Chael Sonnen, you know what I mean? Like, it's bad to be there. He does damage. So now it's like, well, it's not the takedown that I'm counting. Yeah, you're on top, but what you did with that takedown. So, but some people get obsessed. Well, he got the takedown. I'm all, but if there's not that damage afterwards, it doesn't count. Yeah. It's just, I mean, it will count last on my list. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, nothing else happened or uh, there was no way to teeter over left or right, uh, uh, blue or red guy. You know, it was like, well, it was even, even, even. Well, here we give the nod. Well, he got a takedown every round. All right, well, let's, there we go. There's our push over the edge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What is your thought about – I never understand – when people factor in uh, percentages of efficiency, so let's say you, because in those in 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 that fight, uh, when the punched at numbers were reasonably you know close, maybe within six or so strikes in any given round, but Reyes won that. They will also show. Uh, ratio to show, well, yeah, but he threw a lot more punches that missed. I understand you can give credit for, okay, well, the other guy's defense was really good, but it's hard for me to overlook, yeah, but the other guy was moving his limbs a lot more. So what if it took me twice as many throws to land more strikes, I still landed more strikes. And to me, that's advantage me that I was the busier yeah, fighter. Yeah. I just never understand that perci- that accuracy yeah, I, I thing. I think that for exactly what you're talking about, it's a hard to use that as a factor for claiming one guy superior over another because yeah. there's two big arguments. One, you can sit there and go, wow, yes, this guy threw 10 punches, but he landed four of them, so a 40% accuracy wow, he's more accurate. And then you go, well, the other guy threw 30 punches, right? Oh, but but he only landed like two of them. Like, well, I guess he landed six punches and he landed two more, but it took three times the effort to do so. It's like, yeah, but you know, now he's at a 20% accuracy rate. Okay. I st- so I can sit there and see the argument both ways where it makes it hard to because you're right. One guy is more accurate, more selective about his shots, so he's landing more. He's not wasting energy. That's an effective martial artist. 
Then you can flip on the other side. Go well. The other guy's more aggressive, and he's he's showing intent to want to hurt somebody, right. and he's going after it. So so then why isn't the guy who's more accurate throwing more punches? Oh, he's not as in good shape, or he doesn't want it as much. He's not as aggressive. Mm -hmm. So like. Both are admirable qualities to have in combat. A guy who can push down on the pedal and grind mm -hmm. or a guy who's selective and shoots. So like now you're kind of comparing apples to oranges. Mm -hmm. And so sit there to say one's better than the other. I'm like, well, on the circumstances or kind of your opinion, really, uh, I don't see how percentage outdoes quantity because it's like, Again, like I said, you can argue either way. So that's why I effectively go to who just landed more, whether it took you a thousand punches to land them or not. Now, as a fighter, I obviously prefer to have a higher percentage of my shots land. But at the end of the day, if we're going to count effective damage, it, it, how does percentage get pulled into that argument? If you sit there and go, well, he landed five straight right hands and he landed two. If we're talking about damage, well, the five did more damage than the two. What does it matter how many it took me to get the five? Right. Now, as a trainer and as a person, as a fighter, I want to make sure that I have as high a percentage as possible because I'm not wasting energy. And Understood. Being, but, but that comes from me as a, in the gym on working on things. But at the end of the day, it's like, that's nice, but but what counts is what yeah. landed. I don't understand why that's ever... I don't know if it's just a conversation piece for analysts, but it's always strange to me when that gets folded into the same equation yeah. as significant Well, because how does that, that go in there? It's like, well, he did more damage, but he was more accurate. Yeah. That's, again, to me, you know, like it's certain things. Like, uh, I guess a good analogy, again, football. If a quarterback throws five touchdowns or five touchdowns, even if the other quarterback has a higher QB rating, we're not going to sit there and go, well, yeah, but he threw two interceptions and they scored five, but the other guy has a phenomenal QB rating. He only threw for one, but yeah. he's 10 for 10. That's not so, on the scoreboard. No one yeah, cares, right, dude. Right. You're right. Now, yeah. as I'm selecting my quarterbacks or if I'm training you, mm -hmm. hey, dude, our completion ratio, you're forcing the ball in here. we got to figure this out. Like That's part of our – that's for me as the coach to, to have. Yeah. QB rating doesn't count to the score of the game. Mm -hmm. Right, mm -hmm. so that, I think that's the same analogy I would use for this fight percentage as far as what you're landing. It's like a QB rating. Yeah, the higher percentage, the better. But at the end of the day, touchdowns trump everything. Yeah, agreed. Uh, in the co-main event, uh, uh, it this was uh, easier to judge. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, this was uh, easier to judge. Valentina Shevchenko. Uh, just absolutely uh, dominates her opponent, Caitlin Shukagian. Um, you know, to me, Valentina Shevchenko is a very important component right now of the UFC women's flyweight division because uh, as a new division, still a very new division. Do you feel like they push her enough? No. and here's I'm wondering why. She is... Very easy to look at mm -hmm. by anybody's standards, right? I mean, Jesus. I mean, she's, yep. she, I mean, without getting anybody pissed, I mean, she's beautiful, mm -hmm. right? She's fierce. Mm -hmm. She's dedicated. She's focused. I mean, she's like a complete mixed martial arts game. Speaks I mean, great English. There's right? no language yeah. barrier. And then multicultural. I mean, yeah. being Russian. She, you know, so, and you're right. Speaks great mm -hmm. English. So there's mm -hmm. not like, you know, like with Anderson Silva and Don't Leota Machida. You know, yeah. they could speak English, but it wasn't the greatest, you know, yeah. at times. So I could see how that would inhibit you with the fans. But, like, to me, Shoshenko is a marketing. Yeah. 
gold daydream mine. yeah and, gold mine like yeah holy shit guys like why is she not in doing movies already like uh, don't you guys have a connection with the movie industry there mm. at the ufc why is she not doing roles right now i mean i i don't understand why she's not just the darling of yeah. the ufc i mean I she is i mean and, and then on top of that like there's nothing bad about her mm-hmm. like i i don't mm-hmm. hear about her you know coming out of clubs at five in the morning smashing people's phones not a malcontent you know I mean? no like yeah. i mean she, everything about her is just yeah she's a good role model like you know when isabella like look i'm a father so obviously i'm getting a little old long on the tooth so mm-hmm. i don't look at women just as beautiful i'm like oh she's a good role model for bella you know bella goes oh this girl's fighting style mm-hmm. like yes inside and outside the uh, the cage a person of great character and she shoots guns. That's got to get yeah, you excited. She's, I mean, dude, I, like, I don't yeah. get why it's like, yeah, hey, I how come like she's not being pushed? Yeah. Well, I think what I, perhaps it is the fact, and that still I don't have a direct answer for that, but what I was going to say is that this flyweight division was b- before she really established herself and took that title, I think, uh, very much in need of a superstar. Yeah. And now we need to build a couple of legit rivals for yeah. her. So that's what, like, we were talking with Lauren a minute ago. You know, I mean, she's got to be cracking the top five, I would think, with uh, this win over Andrea Lee. And, you know, you got another veteran like uh, Roxanne. But you're also going to need somebody who works their way up to a title shot and then creates a compelling narrative to compete with her. But you definitely need – she is the crown jewel right now, Absolutely. literally and figuratively, of this uh, – uh, division and I mean and that's the to me the women's 25 pound weight class is the same as the men's 70 like most women yeah walk right, around right, at 125 right. pounds just like most men are between 165 and 180 I think yeah. what they say the average man is 158 pounds as a stat mm-hmm. they've had for years mm-hmm. I think Americans will be on the bigger side mm-hmm. most your athletes you know, you walk into the gym right now, I weigh everybody. Most guys, you know, being a welterweight is, is where they're at. Just like being a flyweight for a girl, most women are that size. There's not a lot of girls that are, have a six-pack and walk around at 155 pounds. Mm-hmm. You know, and just, you know, and, and being 105, eh, that's a little on the lighter side for, for your average female athlete. Mm-hmm. But 125 pounds, that's, that's going to be the biggest pool of athletes to pull from so, so in every way, it's like it's win-win where, you know, like Cyborg was a difficult sell, you know, for, for different factors. But one specifically is most girls aren't that big. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like it's just you don't have a large abundance, just like heavyweights. Man, I'll be fighting till I'm 50 because there's just not a lot of guys that are big, athletic, and willing to fight. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. there's a short list, you know, and always in demand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Agreed. Um, well, we will uh, now look ahead to uh, the March card. We'll have that to talk about pretty soon uh, with um, um, uh, with uh, Israel Adesanya and um, with Yoel Romero. Did you see their dance off the other day? I did not. Uh, see if you can pull that up, Mike. Did you see it, Mikey? At no, the, I, I saw that. I didn't. Offs. I was like, oh, let me see this. Yeah, see if you can, yeah. They, they did the, yeah, see if you can find it there while we're talking for a second. Hey, here's some breaking news. It's, uh, they're, it's coming down uh, just as we're taping here. Uh, Jesse Smollett. Remember Jesse Smollett? Oh, yeah, oh, the guy yeah. that faked the. Uh... Yeah, he has been indicted for making false statements <clears throat> to police. So yeah, I, That dude just. I... Remember when the charges were dropped and now they're back? And right. he didn't shut 
the hell yeah. up when that happened. It's like, dude, you're you're done. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's embarrassing what you did, but like go ahead and just let's walk with our tail between our legs, apologize, mm. and let's get the hell out of Dodge. And that dude, like, I think he brought it upon Pause himself. It there for a second. He there, started Mikey. criticizing. Yeah. Oh, basically, I'm innocent. And this is a big scandal, cover up. Yeah. yeah he way, doubled down. Yeah. It's like you're doubling down. Like, hey, dude, they they let you off the hook. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you got caught. And you got let off the hook, and you're gonna turn around and act like a. Oh, I'm really the victim here. And it's like, dude, dude, shut up, shut up. Like, I, I couldn't imagine being his uh, agent and just being mm-hmm. like, can we send this guy off to Siberia for a month or two and just take his phone? Like, shut up. <laughs> yeah. Now I don't know. Okay, so it's six charges of all six charges involve lying to cops i guess the the or the the actual title of them is disorderly conduct it was dropped down from 16 charges to 6 but i'm not sure why okay because the the charges were originally dropped by the state so i'm not they were dismissed i'm just not exactly sure how this doesn't involve um double jeopardy but i guess it maybe there are different charges are called something different i'm not sure because i generally speaking i think when charges are dropped well certainly when you're acquitted you can't be retried for the same crime but i didn't realize they could just be dismissed and then brought back yeah, later because you weren't tried Maybe that's You're it. You're thinking like a double jeopardy, but that's if I, if yeah. you're tried and found innocent, you can't go back. Yeah, they maybe they, they can't just always keep taking you back to court. Had the ability to. Yeah, but if bring I drop back, charges yeah. and the yeah. new information comes well, forward, okay, yeah. or you yourself want to call into question the yeah. people's integrity, and they, you know, because the the DA dropped the charges, but then yeah. he goes and assaults the mayor, and the mayor comes back going, "Wait a minute, dude." Yeah. Okay, we're going to look into this. And if he had just kept his mouth shut, yeah. he, he would have been old news. He would have been out of sight, out of mind. You know? Yeah. All right, let's go to this uh, dance-off here. This was at the face-off between Adesanya and Yoel Romero. Go and blow it up big there, Mikey, and hit it. Facing off. Typical face-off right now. Courtesy of MMA Fighting here, this video, by the way. It does look like a gay marriage. <laughs> I see like Dana posting. White's officiating. Yeah, he's officiating. <laughs> they look like, right? If you didn't know the context they were fighting, yeah. I said, hey, these two guys are getting married. Yeah. The, the way they're staring at yeah. each other, right? It's how all stare downs look. Now they're giving uh, Adesanya's belt. Okay, he's standing there. Crowd's applauding. Yoel Romero puts on his uh, cab driver's hat there. Oh, Adesanya's doing a little move. A little salsa there. Oh, here comes Joel Romero. Oh, oh, backflip, splits. How are you going to answer that, Israel Adesanya? He starts to answer it, and then he says, wait, you know what? I don't know if I have a move to counter that. I'll save it for the fight. And the handshake. Now, that guy's one hell of an athlete, uh, Adesanya, but yeah. Yo Romero, man, he's one of the most athletic fighters. Yeah. I think he's the greatest athlete we probably ever had in, in, in MMA. Mm. Uh, yeah, that silver was, uh, medals in the Olympics. I mean, yeah. international level, just unreal. I mean, if you watch some of his wrestling matches, I watched one time a guy grabbed him in a single, lifted him up above his shoulders. And Yoel crawled down his back and flipped. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, the defense he had, if we were like, all right, guys, this is what we're going to work on today. And if you watch that, you're like, okay, 
uh, are we going to dodge bullets next? Mm-hmm. Like that's not physically possible. Yeah. Now, uh, your advice for Adesanya in that dance off, knowing what I've heard you say before about uh, Yoel Romero being the race car, would be for Adesanya to just keep dancing yep. and wait for Yoel Romero yeah. to get tired. Yeah, that's the thing. Yoel, I mean, for wrestling, you know, and again, wrestling is a explosive anaerobic sport. Mm-hmm. You know, that's why when you see wrestlers go on long jogs, I'm like, dude, that's weight maintenance. They're not getting in shape. Mm-hmm. It's short bursts, explosions, sprints, suicide type movements, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, suicide uh, sprinting. Um, that's what a what a what a wrestling workout and wrestler has to be like. Mm-hmm. Uh, kickboxing is much more of a middle distance type of run. You know, like you got to be in shape for some explosions, but it's to be constant motion. You can you can kickbox or box, you know, for for several rounds. You can't wrestle for that many rounds mm-hmm. without stalling and, and looking bad. In jujitsu, we have long periods, but there's no stalling really. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, so guys kind of sit there and they don't really push the metal. So that's something that just Yol still has an issue with if he doesn't get you out of there. Just him standing there breathing is just absorbing a lot of energy. He's just very, you know, very uh, anaerobic, you know. And so, yeah, if you know, if Adesanya can keep the fight at a distance and dance around, even if he gave up the first two rounds, I would be like, hey, man, in round three, round four, round five, we're going to come after this guy. Uh, I would not go near, even with, obviously, the striking uh, prowess of uh, Adesanya, he's definitely the better striker. But Yol's power is just unreal. I mean, mm-hmm. he crushed uh, Chris Weidman's, uh, you know, forehead with a with a knee. Mm-hmm. Uh, the punch he hit on. Um it knocked him out against the cage. Uh, uh, Luke uh, Rockhold. Yeah, Rockhold. I mean, it just takes one shot from that guy. He's mm-hmm. just so powerful. And uh, and you're always looking for the shot, you know, because if he grabs you and throws you down, it's menacing to be on the bottom of that guy. Here's some other breaking news. Uh, Roger Stone, campaign advisor to oh, yeah, they, uh, they fired the, Donald or, Trump. No, he resigned, right? Well, Roger Stone was facing – Seven to nine years in prison. Roger yeah, Stone yeah. Until uh, Trump fixed it. <laughs> was convicted of uh, lying under oath, obstructing justice. Pretty, pretty blatant stuff. Pretty, yeah. and I, I dealt with this knucklehead in the waning days of the life of uh, Dennis Hoff, the owner of the Bunny Ranch, because Roger Stone was hanging out at the uh, Love Ranch down here in Vegas, uh, cozying up to Dennis for his state legislature campaign. In fact, when Dennis died, Roger Stone uh, came out and claimed that he he suspected foul play because uh, Dennis was getting too close to the truth or some nonsense like that. Um, but, uh, yeah, Trump tweeted yesterday uh, that it was an unfair request. You know, the Justice Department is supposed to be independent, and then today, 24 hours later, Bob Barr, the Attorney General, announces that he is overruling the federal prosecutor's recommendation on the sentencing, which is unprecedented. Now, all four federal prosecutors have just quit in response to it. Um, Listen, politics aside for a second, is anybody okay with this kind of stuff? I mean, the, the Justice Department is supposed to be independent. I go back to Richard Nixon and Charles Manson. If you don't know, there was a time when Charles Manson was on trial during Nixon's administration, and Nixon publicly said that Charles Manson was guilty. 
Now, this is Richard Nixon, okay? Yeah. As many problems as Richard Nixon had, he apologized. He backed, wait a second, I shouldn't be weighing in in judicial matters. So, And that wasn't even involving his former campaign advisor. He didn't have any per- – he never lived out at Spawn Ranch. Right. But it was just the idea that, you know what, the president doesn't weigh in on pronouncing people guilty or innocent or wrongly accused or railroaded or any of the rest of that. Um. Boy, that's not the case anymore. No. Well, I think what you're going to have to start getting used to, buddy, is that uh, people have conducted themselves in a way that there are rules and there is uh, behavior. Uh uh, 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 You know, and we have, what's the word I'm trying to look for here? Like, you know, when people, uh, you know, they've used it a couple times the terminology discussing Trump's phone call. Where they said, well, it, it maybe it was bad uh, president or, or or bad decorum, uh-huh. or, uh, judgment, right? But yeah. not necessarily breaking the law, right? Well, mm-hmm. and and I think that's the problem that we're all having, mm-hmm. or people are having, that uh-huh. are, they're, they're, is that they go, well, you know, you, you shouldn't do this or do that, and we would actually use that as a basis of, you know, for example, like if we were kids in class, you standing there and shaking your head left and right during the class would be inappropriate, right? You're disrupting the class, but there might not be a specific rule for it. You don't find out that they don't have a rule for it. So then, so Trump now, you know, he does things that people go, well, you know, for example, you know, Nixon was never uh, re- removed from office because after, the, you know, the, the, the impeachment, he just stepped down. I'm not, it was never even impeached. Mm-hmm, I, I, right. Before it comes That's through, right. I can see where this is going. And even then, from what I understand, I mean, they had enough Republicans in Senate that, if Trump, or excuse me, if Nixon really wanted to go through with it, he could have gotten impeached and then survived and never been released, just like Clinton was and how Trump was. But because it's like, you know what, my conduct's been inappropriate. It's bringing on shame to the party, to the people that might defend me. I'm going to step out. Well, well, people keep thinking Trump's going to, you know, act according to those lines. Like, you know, for example, firing now. Uh, uh, Vinman, you yeah. know what I mean? Like, be like, wait a minute, isn't that like you can't do that? Like, aren't they protected for? Well, no. It's like, well, now we're gonna have to start this process over and go through and look at it. But, but people would go, that's a bad idea. Well, now it keeps a lot of people from doing things. Like, yeah. hey, you know what? Walking around in your bikini right now outside, or if I were to put on a pair of speedos and a bra. I can walk around outside. There's no rule for it. But most people would talk me out of it, and I'd go, yeah, it's probably not a good idea. I mean, I want Twitter hits or you know Instagram hits, but I'm not going to take a picture of myself in a bikini walking down the street. Yeah, yeah, just, yeah, that's not how I want to be seen. You know, like, Whereas Trump would walk down the street with a bikini on because if that's what it took you know, to get attention or if that to accomplish his goals, there is no, well, that's inappropriate. There's no decorum anymore with the presidency. I guess the part that weirds me out the most about it is to use that bizarre analogy. <laughs> if, Do you get a good visual? Yeah, if, well, yeah one that shape, I can't unsee. <laughs> but if, it, also imagine, though, if your entire support system were people who would otherwise be absolutely opposed to anybody else doing it, but I'm a Frank Mir fan. Oh, you know what? Who's yeah. doing it? Oh, Frank. Okay, well, that that's different. Yeah, no, that's uh, my you guy. hear people say it. He gets a pass in ways that other people don't. And 
Look, and I've talked to you about this. I jump back and forth because I don't really have. I'm I'm not a Democrat. I'm not uh-huh. a Republican. I said to go. Well, that was a good idea. That was a bad idea. Like I try to look at people for their actions. Where I feel like right now you're having a community uh, in, in the U.S. where it's like the Trump fans, no matter what, are are, are Trump fans. Yeah. And then you know, and then but but on the same side, on the same on the other way, Trump could do no good to his enemies like for as many fanatics as you have trump supporters the never trumpers there are a percentage of them that i feel like it's like well are you always like i mean he hasn't done anything good like we can't argue that there are positives at all no everything is just evil it's like i don't agree with that either you know what i mean like i i think that and that's the hard part about reality and being a grown-up mm-hmm. is that the world is very gray and we got to bounce mm-hmm. back and forth and go well i like yeah. this i didn't like hey, that we got to go here you know I'll, I'll i'll give him credit fighting uh for prison reform so right there there's something that i agree with but what i'm saying is is that there are and mikey way in here because i mean you're a conservative guy but aren't there these Things like, for example, the Justice Department is supposed to be independent of the executive branch. I mean, aren't there these things where it's like, I don't care if you're my guy or the other guy. Don't fucking do that. That's not what we do. Yeah, I I came up with the the analogy. There's sort of like in baseball, like the unwritten rules of baseball. Right. Like you're not supposed to, you know, do a bat flip, or you're not supposed, you know, it's just sort of like a gentleman's agreement. But it's no, there's no rule that says you can't. Mm -hmm. And I think what's going on is like, it's like fuck it. There's no rule. And yeah. I'm gonna I'm going in. You like, explained I'm it much better than yeah. I think that's what I was trying. Yeah. I like, know what like, I was trying to explain. It's like you know one but of the things you like did a hey, much you better don't, job. You don't steal a base when you when you have a lead. But you uh-huh. know, we're like, fuck it. I'm stealing the base because I want to get the second. I want to get my stats up. And I think that that's kind of like we're, we're kind of at a win at all costs. And I think it's both sides are at a win at all costs. I think the stakes. Yeah, because I'm starting as I pay more attention. Like, yeah. look, I'm paying attention to Bernie. But I, but the part that I'm starting to see that also kind of scares me a little bit is like 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 at least uh um the other girl uh Warren Warren yeah Elizabeth Warren she explains how she thinks that single payer will work right I don't really get a great explanation on Bernie explaining a lot of these things. So there's sometimes where Bernie also too just is just there's a uh, like I am never wrong. Like you know Bernie seems to have like this. I had no. I, I will never ever bend no matter what. And mm-hmm. I'm like, and that that stance bothers me because I'm a fighter, right? And I see life. Anytime you sit there and go, I never will do this or I'll always do this. I'm like as of yet you know what i mean like as of yet because to me there's a, you have to the, life's too much of a big picture you know for example them talking well if, if if bloomberg doesn't get the nomination he has stated that he will support whoever does and then now bernie sanders has been asked well you're against billionaires but now you have a billionaire saying he's going to help you to beat trump mm-hmm. would you accept it and, and bernie doesn't outright say no but he's sitting there going well uh, yeah i would not accept billionaire help it's like but wait a minute, isn't the overall objective to get into the, the White House so that if you're a Bernie guy, you should want to win because you know you're going to bring better good, but you're saying that I won't win at that. And I'm like, well, I mean, do I really want you as my president if, if you're, you're not, not willing win, to go? Yeah. If you say, hey, this is the objective to get it, I'm like, well, what happens? Because you're always going to break eggs making an omelet. Like, right. There's no perfect way to get anything done. Uh-huh. Like, You have an electric car. Like, having an electric car, I can see the, the positives in it. But guess what? The the cobalt that they have to mine for it. Uh, and the lithium. And the lithium. Uh-huh. Like, 
that is causing damage over here. So you sit there and go, well, it's like half a dozen in one and six in another. It's like to, to, now you have to start trying to navigate that. And there's so because life is so much of a spider web, anytime someone tells me I will always hear, I'm all, yeah, but I can find a situation where maybe you're going to put your your values in here and have to make judgment calls based on other things. Like That's why we don't just have... There's not a just a scrolling chart on a judge's platform, right? When he's up there by his gavel going, oh, you robbed a store? Two years. Oh, you did this? Three years. Like, they take into account every circumstance. Like, you robbed a store, but you got let from your job. You were starving. You ran in. You grabbed food. You ran out. They're like... That was wrong. It, it was a crime. Anybody, yeah. or, or, oh, you're some rich kid who has a bunch of money and decided to rob the store and push over an old lady on the way out, and you broke her hip because you wanted to go for a beer run, even though you have a black MX card in your pocket. Like, well, guess what? You both robbed the store, but guess whose punishment's going to be more severe because I took in all the factors. You, you, you see what I'm saying? Like, there's a big picture to everything. Yeah. Yes, but what it's different, though, if we're talking about political strategies whether they be cutthroat or compromising or whatever that is and things that just like mikey's talking about unwritten rules that rise to the level of whether or not they're flat out illegal and by the way some of these things are but even if they're not the fact that we are violating because let me use this example so what you've got one thing that you have seen as a recurring theme in the Trump administration is acting secretaries. So now that he's three-plus years into this, he's realized that uh, it's tough to have a cabinet full of secretaries where you're having to listen to them and play well with them and compromise or whatever, right? And that's we've seen some of those people quit or get fired or whatever. So now you get a bunch of acting people. Well, the reason they're acting is they don't have to be approved by the Senate. So Mikey's not our producer, he's our acting producer, because if he's acting, I don't have to get Frank's approval on him, and I know that Frank would never approve of him, mm-hmm. so I just have him acting until it his time to just be acting runs out, then I'm going to switch you out, put in another acting guy, but I'm always going to have yeah. my guy in there, and I'm going to circumvent Frank's approval. Now, maybe I found a loophole to do that, mm-hmm. but in the past, if you would have asked me, hypothetically, like pre-2016, hey, technically, could a president just avoid all Senate confirmations by just always having people acting? My honest answer to you might would have been, well, yeah, technically he could have, but mm-hmm. he'd never do it. No right. one would ever do it because it would look politically disastrous. And what we're finding out is, is that people who support that, they just don't care. And so and when you've got – like, I don't understand how we get around the Justice Department supposed to be independent. I mean, isn't that just something we can all agree on? Right. Well, I think that it's the stakes. I feel like that the average voter feels like the stakes are higher if their yeah. person loses. Yeah. Like, I feel like that it's, that it's so much doom and gloom, whether Trump wins, whether, you know, the Democrat Party wins. They're pushing, you know, the the – not even socialism. They're calling you know the the Democrats like communists and stuff right. now. Yeah. And the same thing. They're saying Trump's a dictator. Well, like I mean, he's not a dictator because, like, would anyone like 
draw the fucking signs or, or tweet the bullshit they do about him if he was a real dictator. Yeah, no, you know what I mean? Try to act, uh, and it's, and try so to act pu- that way in China. So right. You. <laughs> and so they're putting that fear. And so you're, you're pushing aside. You're like, you know what? Like when you, the like, I, I don't want Oprah to win. Mm-hmm. Like now people are like, well, fuck. Well, I'd rather have Oprah than a, you know, whatever the right is. Yeah. You know, I mean, I think people, I mean, you won't, but I think people right. are pushing aside, like especially the conservatives. Like they kind of like have the, the nose in the traditionally the nose in the air. We're the, you know, we're the older, we're the conser- you know, con- uh-huh. like conservative socially, the Christian population. Yeah. We won't stand for this shit. And I think now that's getting put aside because the fear of like what, you know, the the extremist views of the left, like whether it's real, whether it's being pushed by conservative media, by re- their Republican candidates is overweighing like fuck it like i don't want that shit you know what's it you know it's going to a win at all costs before they would feel like well if a democrat gets in we're gonna win in the senate or we're gonna you know vote for my guys and maybe we'll stall the whatever but now i feel like it's it's all or nothing and that i think people are just scared shitless there's a lot more fear of like the other side winning Uh that they're willing to sacrifice maybe their morals and or maybe like just not even pay attention to the stuff that's going on and go well fuck it as long as the democrats aren't in and that and that's such a terrible idea because i'm going to tell you something as somebody who has been a supporter of bernie sanders long before he ever even ran for president the first time if you told me that he was going to get elected president but he was going to be acting like not you're right mikey not a not a dictator with all the power Mm -hmm. but Somebody who clearly would like to be an authoritarian. And mm-hmm. also, I think maybe somebody who, and I do believe this is true in Trump's case, got into office not realizing that the presidency wasn't more like that. I think when he got in, he probably got a civics lesson of, wait a second, my power's kind of not absolute. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I didn't realize I had to work with other people and other branches as much as I do. If you told me that was going to be a Bernie Sanders presidency, as much as I would otherwise want him mm-hmm. or someone like him to be president, I gotta be honest with you. I'd say, well, we can't do it because right. this this is not this hurts the democracy. Long after that person's president, we are we are getting into some the presidency. Let me tell you something. It should be boring. It should be stuffy. It shouldn't be particularly entertaining. Mm-hmm. It should be for people who are interested in math. I mean. Uh, just the idea that this is, you know, a hoot for people. Like, the presidency should never be a hoot. The president should never be the fuck you guy. And I don't care if it's my fuck you guy. Like, right. I could have a fuck you guy. But I would be derelict in my responsibility as a member of a democracy to be sitting here going, ha ha, fuck you. My guy's running roughshod over you, you know. I think the difference in mentality between what you're saying and what a lot of other people are thinking is that, if, okay, you're saying that if you had a glass of water and you saw dirt in it, you're yeah. not, you're gonna like, I'm going to keep trying until I get the proper glass of water. Yeah. Right? To, to quench my thirst. Whereas you have other people going, I'm thirsty, there's some dirt here. But I'm drinking it anyways because I want the water. And I think you're having people saying, like, listen, you could dehydrate in an hour. You yeah. could die if you don't get water in an hour. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then you're going, and, you know, you are smart enough to go, like, no, it takes three days to get dehydrated. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. other people are like, oh, shit, like, you know, I heard from Brad that, you know, I could dehydrate in an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. So, you know what I mean? I think that's what it is, too. Uh, you know? Let me just, to, if I can uh, just put a bow on that analogy maybe yeah. or just add a quick thing to it. How about if it's just, like, water that's spiked with vodka? Like, everybody's telling me that's going to be a lot more fun, especially when it's your party. You know what I mean? Like, hey, this is going to make a lot more fun. And I'm going, 
vodka, the vodka doesn't belong in the water. That's that's not not when we're talking about our water supply. That's for the bar. Yeah, but the problem keep is that over there. To add what exactly yeah. what I think Mikey's trying to say, and I agree with you 100, is that. Everybody thinks their side might have the vodka in the water, but the other side has cyanide in the water. Right. So they're like, look, you know what? You're right. Vodka's bad. I get it. You know, you hear people saying that right now. Like, look at the economy. This is what it uh-huh. says. But, you know, yes, you know, I don't like what he says on Twitter or whatever his rhetoric. And that's kind of the, maybe the field that I'm falling in now. Where I'm sitting there going, yeah, I, I wish he would stop saying certain things about Mexicans and immigrants and things that are just not, you know, fact-based, mm-hmm. you know, and, 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 and whatnot. But, look, things are going well. On the economy here and there but then you have to the flip side people are going yeah but like if you bernie sanders is socialism this and that and, and just it's so much fear on the other side that everybody's just doubling down on their own agenda well fear historically has been how a lot of this happens let's um you get a you get in the yeah. the wrap all right uh one last question the, mikey the, the, in the back i'm getting the yeah 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 he's getting the light from uh, the soundboard uh in the comedy club all right mikey by my calculations you have uh exactly 17 more days yeah uh before you are not the one of only two humans that live in your house yeah we had a uh, we're down to the one week Every week we have a doctor's appointment mm-hmm. just to check and how it's going. So, yeah, the 29th and today's, yeah, the 11th. Yeah, today's the... What's the baby weighing in at right now? Uh, they haven't done ultrasound in a while, so they don't know. Back the last time they measured, uh, she was in the 91st percentile as far as size for yeah. babies. And that includes boys and girls. Um, so, like, I'm one and Amanda's one. So we, oh. al- we always kind of joked that, like, if we have a girl, she's going to be huge. And if we have a boy, she's going to be... But mm-hmm. So it looks like mm-hmm. we're going to have a... Healthy to you know large size baby going on. Is her beard coming in yet? Is it, can they tell that on <laughs> no, an ultrasound? They did. Um, they did yeah. do a quick ultrasound. Have you done the four D? No, we didn't do that. We were going to, but then we were like, well, shit. That's like now it's like two weeks away. We're just gonna see her in three D in person. Yeah, but it's still cool to have there. <laughs> yeah, it, it was cool, but then we kind of just like. I think it just sort of time passes by. Yeah. I'm like, uh-huh. shit, now it's two weeks. But uh, I did 4D with all three of my yeah. kids, man. You're looking at your child. It's yeah. unreal. Hmm. Yeah, she's flipped. Uh, her head's in the right spot. She's ready to ready break to, out. I, she's ready to break out. So, I mean, everything's everything's on track. I think Amanda and I are both kind of like, we like, like to prepare for the worst case scenario. Mm-hmm. So we're kind of waiting for something. Mm-hmm. But everything is on track right now. And doctor says she's going to go full term so it's when do you just have to stop because i as somebody who's never been through this it's weird to me that you're here like even though it's 18 days away like isn't there some point where you just have to stop and not think about anything else until this happens well i have nights games booked on the 26th and the 28th Uh um so we already have a plan to have amanda's mom come over to the house just in case and Mm -hmm. you feel contractions like they start like like you'll have contractions like every couple hours and then every hour, then maybe your water breaks when they're like every half hour. So you have time when you start feeling contractions. She hasn't felt a yeah. contraction yet. So it would be something where like, yeah. And, and the doctor says like, you'll know when it's a contraction yeah. versus like, you know, when, like she said, if you can walk, talk, laugh through a contraction you know, through it, then it's not a contraction. It's just a cramp or a uh-huh. pain. So we'll kind of know when, there's a contraction then we kind of okay then if i if she has a contraction during the day then i'll have to call work and they'll call you guys say hey i can't make it like you know we're we're gonna we're starting the labor process so mm-hmm. i mean it hits everyone's different and every pregnancy is mm-hmm. different but i think we have enough like 
like a time within a yeah. day, you know, to kind of I know. mean, if, by the time your woman goes into labor, mm-hmm. uh, you know, if people, because women will talk about how long their labor lasted. Mm-hmm. You know, like Jen was pretty quick and I think she was like, you know, 16 to 18 hours, you know, mm-hmm. like, you know, it's an hourly conversation. I never hear anybody ever going, oh, I'm in contractions. Oh, there's the baby. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, mm-hmm. you, 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 unless you, I mean, there's guys that, are, you know, can probably catch a flight and come in by the mm-hmm. time they're right. Awake. Well, that's assuming she's punctual because, uh, yeah. you know, not everybody's on time. I'll have you know i was uh i think i was the better part of a month late i was supposed to be born in oh. august i wasn't oh, wow. born until september 18th i was a cesarean baby and you can see how well everything's turned out so yeah our doctor said that like they have to pull you by 41 and a half mm. weeks yeah so, yeah that's so, when you get the eviction notice yeah like, all right they, well, we've waited actually long they used to be able to schedule you two weeks early if you were you can mm-hmm. be induced or have, especially mm-hmm. if you were having a cesarean yeah uh, up until ronin uh, for Cajun Bella, the doctor would say, okay, this is your 40-week mark, uh, so you can go as early as two weeks before. Mm. And then now they stop that because so many women didn't want to go that loud. You know, they've been pregnant for so long. Mm. So like, just induce me, you know. Mm. Yeah. And, and so then they schedule their their delivery. Well, yeah, Amanda's uh, best friend is a type 1 diabetic, so they scheduled. They had a scheduled C-section before. Mm. So, yeah, they still they'll schedule sometimes or induce or something. Well, how's so, yeah. do with being diabetic? I don't, I, I don't know. I never, I didn't know the details why, but she said that because she's a type one diabetic, they I guess mm. the risk. I don't know risk of blood loss. They just wanted to control the situation. Just yeah, right. I, I gotta why. hurry up. So oh, hey, all right. All right. I'm feeling really good, guys. My training is going well. Uh, Mitrospec is really helping out with the kratom, and also hey, American Shaman, the CBD company that I'm on, that uh, that I'm very much enjoying my training now. I just think I posted a new video coming up here pretty soon of me working out. Uh, I'm feeling great. So hey, go on my uh, you know all my different Instagram, Facebook. You can see my uh, my. Uh, American Shaman, Mitrospec, and then, uh, hell, if you guys have any questions about the stem cell, man, text me. I'll, I'll get them in contact with you. Bioaccelerator has been changing my life. So. I got to see if I can sell the uh, umbilical cord for the stem cells, get some money back from this whole, oh, yeah. whole shindig. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't think you can't sell them here in the you, U.S. Uh, yeah. If you're in Colombia, you'd be good, good dude. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be rolling. At the Frank Mir on Instagram. All right, folks, for uh, for Frank Mir, for Porno Mikey producing, uh, UFC flyweight Lauren Murphy joining us earlier. I'm Richard Hunter, and we'll see you right back here next time for another phone booth fighting. Everybody was kung fu.